Joel McLeod. And I'm Ron Montana. And welcome back to another Thursday 905 Roundup. We are packing the stories in tonight, folks, so strap in, sit tight, enjoy. Roland, what are we starting off with? We're starting off with a really pretty big announcement uh, in Peel, but in one part of Peel, about a, a really big expansion to um, Mississauga's hospital. The PCs have, just six months before an election, announced that they are going to invest something like $3 billion into into the expansion, and uh, which is, you know, great news. Uh, expanded hospitals, when our population expanding, is good. I mean, you can't argue that fact. The timing of the announcement is, shall we say, traditional, I think, in um, provincial politics. Um, again, can't really argue with that either, necessarily. You know, why wouldn't you make these announcements when it's going to help you the most? The the one kind of question is, which has been raised by the uh, the Pointer website, uh, thepointer.com, for anybody who hasn't visited their excellent website on Peel News, um, is... Once again, that Brampton seems to be getting treated like the poor relation. And uh, while there has been a commitment of between half and one billion to Peel Memorial, which is, um, as they emphasize, not actually a hospital, but a, I guess it's like a sub hospital, if you like. Um, and they're adding 250 beds there. It's far short of what the region has been asking for, uh, which is an expansion of about 850 beds in Brampton. So uh, there is the question of, of you know, wh- why why is Mississauga doing so well? And why is why is uh, poor Brampton always the poor relation when it comes to investment in Peel? Well, uh, I mean, this is not a, a new story. This is something that if people remember back to the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, that that was, that this was an issue. There was an issue that uh, kept coming up. A lot of Peel uh, politicians, most notably Brampton Mayor Patrick Brown, did say that they needed new facilities. They need they needed an, a massive upgrade of of healthcare facilities to, at that time, was to handle what was the pretty much the epicenter almost of COVID nineteen in the province, if not possibly even, even in Canada. Um, a side, side note: they have turned the tide on that big time, and we're hoping to, to cover that in a future episode. So definitely stay tuned and subscribe for for that episode, folks. But uh, yeah, I mean for the for a long time it was. Uh, is very much a, a kind of like why why is Brampton have, having to force to do without? And you and I were talking about this just off off uh, off air. It come, I think it comes down to strictly politics and personality. Uh, you know, we were we were looking over the the list of uh, members prov- provincial MPPs for Brampton, and we noticed in Bra- uh, in Brampton five seats uh, are sitting. Three of the five are held by the NDP, and the two. Uh, Brampton seats held by the PCs are held, you know, backbench MPPs. I, I, I can't, I won't be able to pick them out of a lineup uh, should, they, should they come up. Um, and coupled with the fact that Patrick Brown and the Premier do not get along. They they are very much adversarials. I mean, going back to when Patrick Brown was ousted as PC leader uh, way, way back in the day and Doug Ford took over. Uh, I, I think I think it comes down to basically personality and pol- and just old fashioned politics. The, um, my bet is the Tories are writing off Brampton as a loss. If they keep those two seats, great, wonderful. But you know they're, they're not they're not counting on picking up the other three. And if they can, if Doug Ford can thumb his nose at Patrick Brown for uh, for the next year, so be it. 
who cares what the people of Hamilton, uh, sorry, of, of Brampton, uh, uh, Brampton want? It'd be nice to think that, that politics wasn't this petty, um, and that a a the pers- personal animosity between two rivals for the PC leadership at one time um, would affect the healthcare of however many um, hundred thousands of people live in, in Brampton. But I think even our knowledge of of how Queen's Park works suggests that's exactly how politics works <laughs> and that uh, personal animosities and rivalries are exactly the kind of reason why things don't get built, particularly just- amongst the more ambitious and uh, cutthroat uh, end of the political spectrum. But it's, um, it's absolutely brutal that you know the people of Brampton are li- literally caught in the, in the middle between this bickering between uh, Patrick Brown and Doug Ford. And that's just... You know, it's a it's a sad state of state of the uh, uh, of affairs, especially like again, we're coming out of a of a global pandemic. You think the idea of like, well, let's put all hands on deck and let's get a, uh, you know, let's let's get it, let, let's shore up the the ship, folks, and let's make sure it's top shit, you know, tip top shape to uh, to handle whatever COVID is going to throw at us next. Instead, it's this, you no, know, let's give all the money to Brit to Mississauga because, and here's the other other thing, the Mississauga MPPs. I, again, there are there are also the, the folks that I can tell you, I, I can tell what they've done. I, I can't tell of a single accomplishment that any of them have done in the legislature or, or any names that they that they've made for themselves. There, this is this is literally a a token for them to help sell to the people. It's something that they can put on a pamphlet, and when they go knocking door to door come election time, they can say, "See, I I I voted for that." It certainly was the case. I mean, well, you, 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 you at one time uh, worked for a, a minister, a Mississauga minister. Um, there was the the finance minister was from Mississauga. So it, it's strange that you have such a big city with such, which is in Mississauga's case, one hundred percent PC right now. Or the, there used to be it used to be a liberal stronghold it is now the strongest of PC strongholds. Right, the second should not produce a single. MPP who's managed to make any kind of impact whatsoever. What I'm amazed at is uh, that in four years, <laughs> is that they did, they did not they did not find a a minister out of there. Mm-hmm. The liberals, when uh, in the McGinty and Wynn governments, Mississauga was a treasure trove to find ministers uh, out of there. Uh, you know that that you you because you wanted you wanted to tell the people of the 905, yeah, you matter to us. Uh, we we need. We need people of consequence and people with with weight behind their their titles, uh, sitting at sitting around the cabinet table making decisions. And I'm 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 a little, I was always a little shocked that the, that Doug Ford never went to Mississauga and said, "Well, I'm going to pick at least one. You know, I'm going to find at least yeah, one." Yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, Doug's from Etobicoke, right? Um, yeah, unless I'm mistaken. <laughs> unless I'm no, no, that's, suddenly that's, having that's a brain crack. That's his writing. He's, uh, he's like, you can't find anybody uh, like of of. Of any, with any kind of serious uh, credentials, you can uh, be even a, a, a junior minister. Well, I mean, we, there are parliamentary assistants, and I mean, basically everybody yeah. in par- parliament, everybody in the house gets some kind of job. There's a par- parliamentary assistant is basically the bottom thing on the rung, the bottom rung on the on the ladder. But that's the thing is that the, the, again, the the, so, the liberals uh, beforehand, and, and even before the liberals, you had when Ernie Eves and uh, Mike Harris were in power they went to mississauga and they took their some of their mississauga mpps and made them ministers it was just mm-hmm. you had 
you wanted to show to the 905, hey, you've got a seat at the table. And I'm a little amazed that the current uh, Tory government is doing this in this blatant kind of let's let's throw a bone to the people of Mississauga. Let's just give them let's give them a new hospital, which is I mean they've been fighting for that for for years. I know that, and it's good it's good that's coming. It's a it is a good news story. Uh, but yeah, I, mean, I think I, I, I think I, the fact that they didn't they didn't do something similar to Mississauga uh, to Brampton. Uh, shows how what a naked political play this is to shore up those Mississauga votes in the 905 for the Tory party. I don't know if it'll it'll pay off or not. It may, but who knows? Uh, I should mention that um, so Khalid Rashid, Mississauga East Cooksville, is the Associate Minister of Digital Government, which is... Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, and uh, Nina Tangri from Mississauga Streetsville is the Associate Minister of Small Business and Red Tape Reduction. Uh, these are not ministries which come with um, budgets or uh, I think was it was it um, the great TV show um, in the thick was it in the thick of it? I uh, can't remember. Anyway, it was about Parliament in Britain. Anyway, people go and Google it. Um, and and the, it was a comedy program and the minister in that was the minister for joined up government. And it was kind of like, you know, it's like he's a minister for nothing, basically. <laughs> uh, I, I shouldn't go so far to suggest that these are associate ministers of nothing very much, but, um, well, draw your own conclusions. Uh, for, for, for a city with six MPPs. Uh, Mrs. Ogre has six MPPs. Um, Brampton has five. Conservative. Brampton has five, two of whom are conservative and the other three are NDP. Again, draw your own conclusions about which cities in Ontario um, have got short shrift um, since 2018. There was certainly been that said in Hamilton. Um, and it's been said in Brampton, two cities where the NDP are very strong. You, know, you, you can't prove these things, but you can certainly put make one on one equal two, you know? it's just it's. I think it's just a sad... A sad fact that you know, especially coming out of a uh, out of the pandemic, right? When you, we were we heard, we heard that Brampton was such a a massive front for the for the pandemic to to shore that up, and then to kind of just say no, we're not we're not giving you anything. We're not we're not going to fix that problem. We're not going to to fill the gaps there. Um, it's an incredible short sightedness on on part of the government, uh, if if I do say my honest uh, my honest opinion i'm a little shocked that they just looked at it and said no we're not we're not going to do that and just for for what's comes across as just such pettiness uh to to kind of want to you know poke mayor brown in the eye it's just it i, I think i think that fact whole, throws a, a pall over the uh the great news for mississauga that they're going to get the, this great expansion on their on their healthcare system and good news for them but it's just you know, come on! Like, why, why, why are we, why are we doing this to ourselves? Well, if you're uh, listening to today's episode and, and you're from uh, Brampton or Mississauga and have any thoughts on this issue, which which uh, add information or your take on this, uh, please let us know. We, we'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah, shoot us an email uh, info at nine hundred five or dot ca. Let it rip, and <laughs> if we if it's good, maybe we'll have you on the on the podcast to uh, to elaborate. That'd be fun. Yeah. But you know what? Why don't we take uh, a break for now, Roland, and we'll come back with another uh, another juicy story for uh, for our listeners. Okay, and we're back. So we're going from politics in Peel to politics in Burlington, or the the 
the poor reporting on politics in Burlington, uh, I, I guess I, I would say. Yeah, I, I don't want to, don't usually want to wade into calling out other people's reporting, but um, this felt very unfair. Uh, so there's a big story in Burlington about the, the, um, the, the local taxi taxi company, Burlington Taxi, has recently collapsed, and we're um, probably going to have an episode on that, um, almost certainly going to have an episode on that in the next few days. Uh, it is a big story. This is not really about that story. Um, it's a sub-story of that story um, in that the previous Burlington Council before 2018 um, made various comments about uh, reforming the, the taxi bylaws in Burlington. And uh, the um, it was referred to, you know, a future meeting of council. Well, then the election happened, and that future meeting of council never seemed to happen. So the accusation has made, been made um, that you know the city somehow dropped the ball, um, and they just forgot about all this. And uh, Burlington Taxi has been been the victim. Um, we don't get into the details of that. Well, we will get into the details today. Is just. An article in the Burlington Gazette, which was basically calling for the firing of the city clerk, Kevin Arjun, blaming him for, for this ball dropping. Um, and I just thought that was really unfair because Kevin Arjun came in and was, didn't, wasn't employed by the city of Burlington until 2020. Uh, if any ball dropping was done, it was had been dropped and was scuttling along the ground for two years before 2020. Um it, 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 you know, it was in the transition of of, of councils between 2018 and 2019, and the, and there was a change of city manager, uh, and uh, many other changes of, of staffing around that time, certainly. But um, um, oh, I don't actually think it's the city clerk's job per se, or not the ultimately person responsible. I mean, it's not even clear to me. That any ball was dropped. Uh, what happens with the councils is that things get referred and then they get delayed and they get held up and they get put off. And it, it's it's not so much that Elmwood's forgotten. It's just that it nothing you know the, this something never gets to the top of the pile uh, to be addressed. I don't know. I have no reason to to believe one way or the other. But nor does anybody else. Um, so to call for someone's firing when you don't even understand yeah. the basics of uh, of what someone's job responsibilities are or who was in charge at a particular time, I think it's really irresponsible. And, you know, um, you know, funny enough, if anybody's going to be pissed off at Kevin Arjun, it might have been me um, because of some, you know, when I was involved in a committee a couple of years ago, um, it was associated with Kevin Arjun's office, but I will defend him to the death on this issue because um, uh, I just don't think that's fair. Here's the thing, not only should Kevin Arjun be kind of, his job should, I think he should be safe in his job, mostly because, yeah, he came in 2020, uh, was hired. It's not even his job. <laughs> He's the city clerk. The city manager is the one who would be responsible for conducting this review, con you know, going into the departments and saying, let's talk to the lawyers, the the staff, what departments would be involved, whatever, da 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 The clerk's office uh, deals primarily with the city council. And it works closely with the manager, city manager, but the city manager is essentially like the CEO of, I mean, if you, it is called the corporation of the city of Burlington. It's, it, it, it's a business. Um, it's a corporation. The city manager is essentially the CEO of the city. Uh, whoever was, here's the, you, you, you mentioned it before. We don't know what happened. 
Somewhere in 2018, when city council said, let's review the, the taxi bylaws, they handed it over to the city clerk who would have handed it over to the city manager and said, go review. What, do what you have to do to do your review, write your report, and submit it back to the council so the council can either go with it or not go with it, whatever. Of course, the election happened. Old guard was voted out. New guard was voted in. And along the way, this particular file was dropped somewhere, somewhere, somehow. We don't know what happened. Uh, we're hoping that we'll find out. We're hoping that we'll, we'll be able to ask the right questions to the right people and figure out what happened. It may be a matter of, yeah, we there, there was a new city manager brought in and yeah, this was not on their desk when they got, when they took over, when they walked in on day one, this was not on the inbox to, of things to do. Why was that? We don't know, but that, that deserves a, an investigation. I don't know if, I'll be honest, I don't know if people being fired is the solution. Maybe just more checks and balances to the system. It's a, it's a good thing to be following up on and we'd like to do that, but to make this bold accusation of let's just go and find, find a, a somebody to fire, um, reeks of either A, you're trying to stir the pot that shouldn't be stirred, two, uh, rank amateurism because anybody could have said, well, this is the wrong guy to fire. Like you're trying to find a scapegoat for a story. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, and short city clerk is in, is in charge of, of of the kind of the agenda of council meetings of, of what goes onto the agenda. So if something's been put down for follow up mm-hmm. at a future meeting, that falls to city clerk. But there's so many more other other things that that, that come into that uh, before it gets to the point of of drafting the agenda for an individual meeting, and it, which is a, a to be departmental level, and which does fall under the ultimate purview of the city manager, not the clerk. Um, I'm not calling it for the firing of the city manager either. Um, I don't think any of us know enough. Uh, and, you know, calling for people's firing is such a, I mean, it, it, it satisfies an urge for vengeance when people are frustrated with something that they don't like. Yeah. Um, but so many good people get fired because of something that they did that was absolutely wrong. Um, but then you end up with a worse person taking their place. And it's like, Kevin Arjun's a decent city uh, 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 clerk, as far as I can see. Um, he he seems to very much be involved in uh, his, his uh, uh, enthusiastic about his job. Um, I, while I have all kinds of problems with the, the, um, the uh, advisory committee system that exists in cities in Ontario, um, the re- reviews that he's recently announced to the advisory committee system, although it is um, still the old system with which I have a huge problem, is a massive improvement procedurally in clarity and openness and rigor of appointments. Um, I mean, it's frankly embarrassing that nothing like that existed before, but but he's he's absolutely put the right things in place to make the current poor system more defensible than it was um so congratulations to him on that um and uh for that alone i would say he's um a step ahead of um some other clerks that have held that office over the years yeah it's just you don't don't throw around if you're gonna if you're gonna have a a platform like you know a platform like this one a podcast or, or an online newspaper uh platform throwing around accusations of this person should be fired is just so with, without really understanding what were, what were the details this like don't don't make this into a uh you know a, a scandal when there isn't one there we don't know we we just we don't know we're we're hoping to get the the details come forward but to all of a sudden just point fingers at somebody and say we need to fire them it, it 
why? Why would you throw why would you throw a guy's reputation under the under the bus to to get oh, some clicks? When he wasn't even in the city, he wasn't even in the city when the problem yeah. presumably was, was developed. in Halifax. <laughs> he, 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 worked, yeah. he worked in the city of Halifax at the time that that this decision was brought forward. So to say, well, that's you know, he's got to go. It's like, well, oh, he. He, he had to find out where Burton uh, well, was on the uh, map <laughs> at the time. Kevin, if you're listening, this is what's called a Burlington welcome. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's just it's it's just irresponsible to go call for a guy's firing. But we don't we don't know what happened. We don't we don't know definitively who was who was responsible. No, I mean, not yet. So, and you know, even then, even then, unless it's really egregious, uh, incompetent, and it's so. For us sitting outside, there's so many things that that don't uh, get reported on that that add entirely different context to these stories, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, well, time will tell, I guess, in the, in the bigger issue. And we do obviously hope to have a full episode on on that story because it is an important one. Um, so uh, watch this space. Well, so last up on our agenda for today is. Um, is some subsidized housing and, and uh, what seems to be a genuinely uh, good news story uh, in uh, in Halton. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, it appears that uh, Halton Region Council is voting to move ahead on four new uh, uh, site projects uh, for for that will be subsidized uh, social assisted housing uh, in Georgetown, Oakville, uh, and Milton, uh, which is fantastic because this is something we we have been. It's good to hear that the council, uh, Halton City, our Halton Regional Council, is listening to the Nine Hundred Five podcast because we've been cheering, <laughs> we've been, we've been arguing That's for right. more social, social assisted, socialized housing uh, since almost I would argue since day one of this podcast. So I'm glad that we're finally being heard in the uh, the upper echelons of power. But uh, joking aside, this is this is good news and kudos to the to the region for uh, for making this happen uh, because. I, I we 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 need to hear more of these stories, uh, especially in light of the the runaway, runaway housing prices that are all over the region. We need more, not just in Halton, but uh, uh, all over all over the nine hundred five. More stories like this. I, I hope it. I hope it encourages more um, uh, more 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 region regions to invest in in things like this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, well, let's, let's go through some of the details here. So, uh, 16 units in Georgetown, uh, another big development in Oakville, uh, Margaret Drive, uh, Allendale Campus in Milton. Um, ultimately, they're looking at something like 505 residential units. So, I mean, it's 505, like, that's a lot. Um, I mean, that, that's a big development. So, often when you see these announcements of affordable housing or subsidized housing, it's like, you know, five units, and you're like, seriously, it's like a drop in the ocean. Um 505 residential units seems like more than a drop in the ocean and then 40 more in on Kerr Street in Oakville. So um, this is great. This is the kind of investment that that, that needs to happen. Um, this is subsidized housing, which is a, a, a different kind of category to affordable housing. Affordable is, is a notoriously difficult um, phrase to to define you know subsidized housing is for people who who, who cannot afford uh, to pay uh, their entire rent or 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 any of their rent or whatever um uh so uh, and it's uh, i mean the fact that this is this falls under regional remit i think is is somewhat of a problem uh, for those 
parts of the 905 that have two tier um, two tier governments. So, I mean, Hamilton doesn't, um, but because no one pays attention to what the region does as a rule, there's almost no political pressure on the region. I mean, I think they're hearing the calls that are being heard mm. at every level of government for more affordable housing and. Um, so certainly, I'm not saying that they're they're deaf to these issues, but there's a real kind of democratic deficit in in the regional governments. Um, uh, and you may actually re- re- remember that um, Patrick Brown, before he before he um, ran for Brampton mayor, was going to run to be chair of Peel Region um, because uh, for the first time it was going to be an elected an elected position. So this is a you know, a multi billion dollar um, uh, political uh, role in Ontario that is an employee, um, and uh, Doug Ford cancelled the election uh, for the Peel and went back to the appointment system, uh, which Halton also used to have an appointment system uh, rather than elections. Uh, although we have elections now, no one pays any attention to them really, um, and it's uh, well, that's a, it, it's a it's a problem. I mean, it's one of the things I hope maybe we can address a little bit through this through this well, podcast. But, but I mean, um, well, if Halton Region wants to make itself more well known in the lives of Halton residents, this would be one of the. You know, this is this is a huge part where Halton Region can work to, you know, build more housing, affordable housing that will help bring down the cost. You know. It, it, House price economics are very complicated. I'm not going to propose to be the, an expert on them. But the people that we have talked to about this have all said it's a matter of supply. We need more supply. Social, socialized and subsidized housing, It doesn't. it's not the cure-all, but it definitely goes a long way to helping kind of stabilize the market, that we're putting more, more inventory on the market at affordable pricing for people to get into. Um, you know, if we do a little bit more of this, amongst other, th- other options that are out there, this can go a long way to help just kind of, I don't know, we'll bring housing prices down, but at least just maybe plateauing them a bit. So it's a little bit more uh, more reasonable for people to budget on. Yeah, I mean, my feeling is that ultimately the municipalities at whatever level need to get into the, the housing market properly. Like uh, um, subsidized housing is... It's not the housing market. It's 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 filling a a societal need, um, and it's just you know one hundred percent cost to the to the region pretty much. Um, the the idea of, of municipalities becoming major landlords of afford of well maintained affordable housing, as they are in the other parts of the world, um, is just at the very earliest stages of being thought about in Canada. And I, I think ultimately that's going to be the way it's done if we want. Homes fit, you know, to use that phrase that was used after the Second World War in Britain, homes fit for heroes, homes fit for nurses and truck drivers and food processors and working class people who've carried us through COVID. Homes fit for Um, the frontline heroes. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I I, I think that's really maybe an old phrase that could be brought back into commission that, that that those people who who kept the lights on when we all stayed home for mm-hmm. six months, um, you know, the least we could do is provide decent housing, um, just like Europe did after after the Second World War. Um, so, and again, I'm saying like this can we can snap our fingers and make this happen. I wish, you know, perhaps we can start to put it on the agenda as something the municipalities think about. And and it's you know it's it's not just throwing tax at a problem um, and an expenditure 
a municipality that is a landlord is making money for as a landlord, uh, like any other landlord would. It just so happens that it, that it will concentrate on affordable housing um, uh, uh, rather than you know the higher the higher cost forms of housing. Yeah, I'm going to say let's leave it at that for the uh, for this episode. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Be sure you listen, like, subscribe, share, spread the word far and wide. Because uh, we have two more episodes or two more interviews that we're going to have planned before we take a break for the for the new year and and whatnot. Thanks very much, everyone, everyone, for listening, and we'll talk with you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. that's it for this episode of the 905er thank you for listening as always you can send us your feedback thoughts and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca we'd love to hear from you you can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through patreon as well as paypal Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time.
Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>